Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climat-wandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Remember this? Large protests outside the European Parliament in Strasbourg on the 21st of September 2017, when MEPs were to vote on a trade deal with Canada, known as CETA, the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement. The giant inflatable Trojan horse the protesters had outside, symbolising certain betrayal in the future, spoke volumes. For its detractors, CETA would fling open Europe's doors to Canadian beef, poisoned by growth hormones, and to genetically modified food, and would favour big industry over small producers. TTIP, the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership with the US, also triggered protests. But while it petered out, CETA survived, approved by MEPs that week in 2017. Now fast forward exactly four years, and CETA is seen, at least by its supporters, as a model for future free trade agreements. Comprehensive, global, environmentally sound, and with built-in safeguards for Europe's celebrated geographical indications. In this edition of Food for Europe, our podcast, we're looking at all these issues. And we'll start here, in the northern part of Beaujolais Wine Territory in France, on the 21st of September 2021, four years to the day after that vote in the European Parliament. It's been years since we had mud like this in the harvest. But hey, the sun is out today. We have to keep our spirits up. Meet Philippe Bardet, director of the Maison Jean Laurent and vice president of Inter Beaujolais, the sector's trade association. Bonjour. Hello. Delighted to welcome you to the Chateau de Fleury. Ravi de vous accueillir au Chateau de Fleury. But please don't talk to him about Beaujolais Nouveau, a wine popularized around the world, but which, in his eyes, doesn't do justice to the many other wines produced with passion and love across the region. After nine generations, we're lucky to have a fairly well-structured estate with more than 150 hectares under cultivation, including the Chateau de Fleury here. The story goes that Napoleon liked our wines, and so did Anne de Beaujeu, daughter of Louis XI. Right here, this really is a piece of French history. There, there, go over there, next to the girls up there. We won't have to do any sorting, the grapes are good. Wines produced here today from the Black Gamay grape will brighten many tables in the new world tomorrow. Since CETA entered into force, Beaujolais has seen exports to Canada increase by 15%. 
We export more than half our production to 60 countries around the world. CETA was a nice surprise. Anything that encourages free trade for us is good. As it happens with Canada, we've always had a very strong historical relationship because Canadians love our wines. Our company, Maison Laurent, has more than doubled its volumes in four years. So, Philippe Bardet, if you think back to the time of the negotiations, did you have any particular concerns? We're always fearful when the EU leads negotiations that relate to our own local products. We're not making an industrial product, we're making an agricultural product which has a geographical indication, so it absolutely must be protected. Let's get the take of a leading Belgian socialist politician who supported those protesters and who's still sceptical about CETA. Paul Magnette, former minister-president of Wallonia, now mayor of Charlois. What does he see as CETA's benefits and drawbacks? Yeah, some, some people seem to discover, to discover today that the trade agreement has a positive uh, impact on trade, uh, that the quantity of goods exported from the EU to Canada rises. But that's, I mean, that's the essence of a trade agreement. But this leaves the, the fundamental questions open. Uh, it, does this make sense? I mean, uh, we uh, in the European Union pretend to reach a carbon neutrality uh, before 2050. We know that to reach this carbon neutrality, we need to take all the major decisions before the end of this decade, before 2030. Uh, does it make sense to uh, to export uh, wine, a bottle of wine or a cheese or French cheese to Canada and, and, and make it travel for 5,000 kilometers? The CEDA was negotiated before the Paris Agreement and before the um, major shift in EU policies, which is uh, which is the Green Deal. I mean, we say now that we are fit for 55, that we want to reduce uh, uh, gas emissions with 55% in comparison with 1990 before 2030, and that we want to guarantee the coherence of all the EU policies. This implies that future trade agreements should have very, very uh, binding uh, uh, environmental and social uh, clauses, which is far from being the case so far. I mean, they're not really binding, and we should make sure that uh, when we sign an agreement with another region or another country uh, in the world, this will help reduce uh, emissions and not uh, enhance emissions, as, as is often the case with, uh, with trade. With us now is John Clark, DG Agri's Director and Chief Negotiator at the CETA Talks. John, thanks very much indeed for joining us. It's my, my pleasure to be here. Thanks, thanks to you for inviting me. First, how seriously did you take those protests? First of all, uh, we had to demonstrate that we take very seriously the reasons behind the protests. One is the genuine fear that uh, Europe would, would become swamped by uh, Canadian beef and pork and poultry. And we dealt with that by not liberalising the European market. We offered uh, quotas, so we control the volume of imports. Canada is not using it, its uh, CETA uh, quotas. It exported 1,000 tonnes of beef only last year. And that's not because we impede access. It's simply because Canada cannot, at a, an economic price, meet our health and safety standards. We have a couple of problems on our side as well. Uh, we'd like to see better enforcement of our iconic uh, geographical indications. These issues are being worked through over time, and I think there's goodwill on both sides. Last year, with the COVID pandemic, trade was stagnant around the world. Our exports uh, flatlined 
around the world. With Canada, we had an increase in exports to Canada in the middle of a global recession. Trade talks are always long, torturous and famously peppered with brinkmanship and moments of high drama. Do you recall any of those with the CETA negotiations? We had negotiated the deal on beef and then we had to walk back a little bit from it uh, because the Irish and the French and the Polish protested about what I'd negotiated. So I had to go back to the Canadians and say, look, I need to do some fine-tuning. They walked out. They got the first flight home. Whether that was a kind of symbolic ritual walkout, I don't know. Uh, they were back the week after to negotiate, but they, they did walk out not only of the room, but out of Brussels. You and others speak of a model agreement, yet large trade imbalances remain today that would seem to challenge that. That is to be expected. Canada exports um, low-priced commodities to Europe, like wheat and soya and, and so on. We export to Canada high-value processed products like, uh, like cheese, olive oil, wines and spirits. So it's quite natural that we have a trade uh, surplus. And uh, unlike uh, Donald Trump, Justin Trudeau does not regard a, a trade imbalance as a terrible, uh, sinful state of affairs. With CETA, we, we uh, launched a much more comprehensive, modern trade agreement covering not only tariffs, but also investment services, which are the new ways of doing trade, public procurement, competition policy, sustainable development, health and safety. So that's why it's comprehensive. John Clark, many thanks indeed and stay with us. Now here are some standout facts and figures on CETA. Before Covid struck, EU-Canada trade in goods rose to 60 billion euros, an increase of a quarter on pre-CETA levels. Between 2018 and 2020, the value of EU agricultural exports to Canada was 3.5 billion euros. Wine is the top export, worth almost a billion euros last year. Pasta, chocolate, spirits and cheese are other major exports. Imports from Canada, topped by oilseed and durum wheat, were up, pre-Covid, by 17%. CETA protects the origin of 143 protected names of food and drink, as well as hundreds of wines and spirits with geographical indication protection. One man who knows a lot about trade negotiations is the German Socialist Group MEP Bernd Lange. He's chair of the European Parliament's International Trade Committee and was the Parliament's rapporteur on the collapsed TTIP talks. Bernd Lange, a lot is being made of CETA as a shining example of free trade agreements. Do you agree with that? I guess uh, CETA is really one of the most advanced uh, trade agreements we concluded in the last 10 years. And of course, it has elements of a traditional trade agreement in reducing tariffs. Around about 90% of the tariffs are eliminated. And uh, there are also some tariffs which uh, will be eliminated in the next years. So this is a quite significant uh, improvement for the exporters on both sides. We are looking also in our trade agreements on standards for production also regarding the environment. And of course, the Paris Climate Agreement is one of the key elements of modern trade agreements. The criteria for a more environmental friendly, climate friendly production, uh, they are there. And we want to really try to convince our trading partners to go in the same direction. Bernd Lange, many thanks indeed. John Clark, thanks a lot for staying with us. 
Now, let me ask you, do you see any contradiction between the drive to localise greener farm and food production in Europe and the mass-produced imports that FTAs encourage? There is no uh, fundamental contradiction. We need locally sourced food, regionally sourced food. We need the single market to provide food for our citizens, but we also need imports. And Europe is very dependent on imports, particularly for its own food industry. And I think one thing we've seen during the, the COVID pandemic is the importance of keeping markets open to ensure food security. Trade negotiations, as we've seen earlier, are about much more than agriculture. What weight do agricultural products actually have in the negotiations? Food is not simply an economic phenomenon. It's, a, it's part of our culture and, it's, and food security is essential. So it has a, a political weight which really outstrips its uh, economic importance or its, uh, its share of GDP. And that's why um, agriculture is always one of the most sensitive issues in our, our trade agreements yeah? and is watched very closely by our member states and by the European Parliament. We are now systematically in our trade agreements having a, a very strong sustainable development chapter with meaningful disciplines, with strong commitments on climate, on environment, on labour standards, human rights, animal welfare, uh, etc. And that's here to stay. By convention, trade negotiations have been carried out behind closed doors, outside the day-to-day scrutiny of the media, even, as with TTIP, outside the scrutiny of many elected members of Parliament. Is it time to change that now? Since TTIP, uh, we have put in place a rule that our negotiating mandate is made public, which is uh, obviously contrary to the traditional ethos of a trade negotiator, where your mandate has to be kept uh, under wraps. We have gone as far as we can in transparency without completely hobbling our capacity to negotiate. And where we are less than totally transparent is because the other other partner doesn't allow us. Back at Maison Jean Laurent in the Beaujolais region, Philippe Baudet has a suggestion on that score. I think that in negotiations like these, we should first of all bring a good bottle of wine to the table, uncork it, and share a glass. And that alone would allow people to understand the magic of our product. What is your response to that, John Clark? Well, I'd be very happy if this gentleman comes and uh, brings a bottle of wine to Brussels and we can uh, discuss it over a good bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon. And here's what that could look like with, instead of a Cabernet Sauvignon, a Gamay from Beaujolais. Here we go. Let's open a Chateau de Fleury 2019. Let's share a glass of friendship. There. The cork is perfect. A lot of delicacy on the palate, a full, round, lively taste. There's an element of smoothness, suppleness. It's generous, it's delicious, it drinks well. John Clark, many thanks indeed for joining us and for answering our questions. Well, I was happy to be here and I hope I could demolish a few myths about CETA, if nothing else. And thanks also to Bernd Langer, Philippe Bardet and Paul Magnette. And thank you to you for tuning into this podcast. We'll be back soon with another edition of Food for Europe. From me, Paul Anderson, meantime, goodbye. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse.
Der Klimawandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 